BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. This is The Great America Show, and welcome. Great to have you with us. We've talked about the great smash-up of an election we had this year, a smash-up at least for Republicans and independents, and how, once again, the Marxist Dems outfought, outthought, and outfoxed the Republicans. And the Republicans also raised far less money than those Marxist Dems by a two-to-one margin. It's hard to win when you're being outspent by that margin, and despite all her failures, Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel wants to be reelected. That's so Republican, isn't it? The good news, though, Senator Rick Scott and Mike Lindell say they're running as well. Lots of peculiar issues and events to talk about, and nearly all of them fascinating, like the new U.S. Air Force stealth bomber unveiled this week, the most advanced aircraft on the planet. It had better be. The Air Force's newest stealth bomber cost $2 billion apiece. That's impressive. Hope we can keep the communist Chinese from stealing the blueprints to that aircraft this time. China protests aren't letting up, by the way. They're spreading across China, despite the CCP putting tanks on the streets. This is something different this time, folks. Calls to open up the country despite COVID for the Communist Party to lighten up for President Xi to resign. Can't imagine any of that will happen, but just these big protests for change are all unprecedented. We'll see what happens. And this one I can't figure at all. California has released thousands of convicted pedophiles after they spent less than a year in jail. The Daily Mail reporting that Governor Gavin Newsom is the one responsible for their release. 7,000 convicted pedophiles just because Newsom considers apparently pedophiles to be nonviolent and is clearing the prison system of as many prisoners as possible. Gavin Newsom also refused to comment to the Daily Mail. California, it is, at least it seems to me, somehow in an alternate universe. There's an argument to be made that the entire country is being dragged into that universe, maybe the world as well. This week, Chinese and Russian bombers overflew South Korea's air defense zone. Just as European leaders were optimistically, it turns out, saying the Russians might be withdrawing from eastern Ukraine. Vladimir Putin started calling up 2 million conscripts to serve in the Russian military. For what purpose? We're not being told. But 2 million troops he doesn't need to withdraw from Ukraine. Putin clearly has other plans, and just as clearly, our intelligence agency and State Department apparently have no clue what those plans are. Covering all of the news and doing so with classic objectivity and fairness is John Solomon's news outlet called Just the News. John is our guest today. He's the founder, CEO, and executive editor of justthenews.com. Welcome, John. This has been a far more civil post-election period than just two years ago. 
but still a lot of questions, issues, and considerable anger on the part of some voters. What do you think? I think particularly in Arizona, it is clear that issues, which, by the way, have been around since 2018. 2018 was the first time we heard a lot of complaints about Maricopa County, the epicenter of all voting in Arizona, largest county there. We knew there were problems. 2020, there were problems. And you would think by 2022, maybe they'd be on top of those problems, but they're not in uh, the fact that there was a certification under duress yesterday in that county where uh, the county voted to uh, certify the results, even though uh, several of the candidates are calling into question what happened on Election Day. It, it's a train wreck that could have been avoided, that people's confidence in the system could have been fixed, but it doesn't appear that that happened. And now the question is, can it be fixed in time for 2024? Uh, that is that is a question that um, uh, I think lingers over the entire uh, uh, Arizona uh, race, and um, particularly now you're going to see, I think, Kerry Lake file a lawsuit challenging some of the results, and you already have Abe Hamaday, the attorney general, who's only 800 percent, uh, I'm sorry, 800 votes behind uh, the Republican nominee, also charging. So some of this is going to end up in the courts, kind of like deja vu 2020 all over again. 2020, and it's a fait accompli. The courts are culpable in this as well because they're insisting on standing, they're insisting on their being certified injury rather than preventing a certification of what is an erroneous uh, uh, count. Uh, we are watching a system that is broken down, in my opinion, John, uh, and we have a Republican Party. Uh, you know, the old movie, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, I mean, they, the Republican <laughs> National Committee uh, building in Washington, D.C. should be the set for the next movie, the sequel to that. Uh, this is outrageous what we're watching. The money that is uh, splashing around a half a billion dollars for the uh, the Congressional <laughs> Leadership Fund for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he can't understand as a rhino hand picked by Paul Ryan why the party doesn't want to go along with him as speaker. A as you say, there's no, <laughs> there's no suggestion it's going to get any better because we leave in place the same idiots who do the same idiocy. Uh, your thoughts? And I think there is a debate and a fight for the heart and soul of the Republican Party. And it isn't just about who best epitomizes the Republican Party, who best has the values that lead it forward. It's also about who can best perform inside the current election system that we have. And uh, Republicans have lost three straight elections. They've underperformed in three straight elections. In fairness, they did win the House back, but on very narrow margins. Uh, performance matters. And I think what we've begun to see is that Democrats have, have first tailored the election system the way that would be most advantageous for them and then executed to the best possible capability to win elections. And Republicans have not adapted accordingly. And that always starts with the Republican National Committee. Republican National Committee is the, the, the quarterback of all election strategies for Republicans. And when they get outmaneuvered in three straight elections. Uh, there are serious questions about is the right team in place there. Then you go downstream and you look at some states where giant bullseyes have been uh, lingering over the states, Arizona, Pennsylvania, uh, two states that we know uh, have had questions in the past. And Republicans did not significantly change their strategy uh, in either of those states. And then they wake up the day after the election realizing we lost. And, and I think that uh, that's a performance issue. If this was a corporation, there'd be some terminations going on uh, for failure to perform. And it'll be very interesting to see if the Republican Party has the courage, the foresight to make some changes in leadership 
to better compete in time for the 2024 election. And and the folks who put their trust in the Republican Party are 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 fools if they allow the liberal Republicans to run a party based on the vote of moderate and conservative Republicans and independents. Don't you think? And the heart and soul of the party has to be determined in terms of what are the values that we share. When Reagan went into 80, the party was very unified. And when 1994, when Newt Gingrich swept uh, Republicans into power, there was a clarity and a unity of purpose, a, 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 a unity in message, and a unity in values. And right now, you have an extraordinary extraordinarily divided party. You have some Republicans that often sound like Democrats. You have some Republicans that are holding on to a Republican past in an America that doesn't exist. They don't want to adapt to the times. And then you've got this new generation of Republicans inspired by Donald Trump, by the Freedom Caucus. And they're the most rambunctious and exciting and uh, uh, visible part of the party, but they don't always have the rest of the party behind them. And I think getting this resolved before 2024 is such an important process if you're a conservative. There has to be clarity. What does a Republican stand for? And if we stand for it, do we back it up or do we just say it in words? I think one of the frustrations that voters have is that Republicans say things, they sound great, but they ultimately take actions that are less filling and less satisfying. And that capitulation, I think, has frustrated a large part of the Republican base, and I don't think they're going to accept it in 2024 again. The frustration is you with Bronco. I mean, you're talking about uh, the votes in uh, the certification of votes in uh, Arizona, Pennsylvania, two counties, Lucerne County in Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, Mojave County uh, in Arizona. Uh, basically uh, at gunpoint being ordered to certify an election they know uh, to be uh, to be irregular uh, and to not be correct uh, it would be it seems to be a, a greater punishment should be in store for those who would certify elections that are not proper correct honest and and uh, and accurate uh, but the, those are the threats that people face in Arizona and uh, in Pennsylvania yeah, uh, there, there's no doubt. Uh, some of the uh, uh, county executives uh, said they voted under, quote, duress. That was the actual word they used, uh, saying they had serious doubts about the accuracy of the results they were certifying, but they voted anyways because they told the alternative was they might end up in prison. I don't think that's the sort of system that Americans want uh, to see here. I think they want to have an idea that we don't even get to this point that we're debating the quality of election results and the security of elections two weeks after the election or three weeks after the election, we should have a system that we all go into on the day of and feel confident in it. We used to have that system. We don't have it right now in several of the states. Uh, and yet there are very simple models. Florida, Texas, they have no problem counting votes. People feel good about it at the end of the day. People who uh, commit crimes are immediately charged after the election. Uh, there are other states like Pennsylvania and Arizona where uh, it's gotten not not better, but messier at each step of the of the way. And I think those are the sort of uh, issues that have to be resolved. The best way to fix elections is not after the fact. It's to fix them before they take place. And I think in Pennsylvania and Arizona, there has been willful neglect in trying to address very legitimate issues about the security and sanctity of elections in those states. Well, to your point, uh, the idea that uh, Ronna McDaniel would be have the temerity uh, to suggest that she should be reelected chair of the RNC when she lied and lied publicly about the preparations that the RNC had made for a ground game 
and that everything was well in hand. Uh, it was far from it, obviously. Now we hear Rock, uh, Rick Scott and Mike Lindell uh, want to uh, challenge her for the chair of the RNC. Uh, you know, that's that's a big development. We haven't seen those kinds of profiles uh, express interest in the chair of the RNC before. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people wondering whether Dave Bossy might not be someone that goes there or maybe Carrie Lake if she doesn't prevail in her litigation in Arizona. These sort of fights actually, it's funny, a lot of times people are worried, oh, we're going to have a divisive fight. But sometimes fights like this, fights over the RNC chairmanship or something like it, uh, create the sort of consensus building that ultimately get the party all oaring in the same direction. A good fight and someone prevailing sometimes can refocus the party in a way. I mean, Reagan did it after the 76 um, uh, loss to Gerald Ford at the convention. He decided, you know what, I'm going to fight for the heart and soul of the party for four years. And the Republicans went into 1980s elections so much more unified. So a good fight may be one of the starting points where we get clarity on what the party stands for, what its tactics are going to be, how they're going to address the election systems that are very different than the election systems that the Republicans are used to competing in in 2012, 2010. I, I think the Republicans are a decade behind in the electoral strategy uh, of where the Democrats are, and that's why Democrats have prevailed even though the American public is more aligned with the conservative values of the Republican Party. Polling shows that people voted Democrat even though they were more aligned with Republican values. That is a, a gap that has to be fixed. And it's a gap, I think, that was personally, I think, uh, it's just my opinion, uh, it was a gap that could have been closed Clear. had the Republican Party had the courage to put out a meaningful contract with America, uh, make promises, and prepare to keep them. Uh, but they were afraid to do that uh, because we have uh, in the Republican Party liberal leadership uh, and a moderate to conservative uh, voter base. Uh, it's uh, it, it's that straightforward. I, I, I think it's going to be a fascinating fight. I, I want to go to some of your uh, other reporting uh, in, in just the news, and that is, let's start with, uh, if we may, the... the <laughs> The Biden administration silent on, giant, on China protests that are sweeping the nation, as best we can tell. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest, the reporting from China is abysmal to non-existent. But what this, the glimpse that we're getting, this is a meaningful moment of, uh, of uh, distress and uh, disruption in uh, the People's Republic of China. Well, we've seen this show. Uh, we first saw this show back in uh, 2009 when the Obama-Biden administration was unwilling to embrace the Green Revolution protesters in Iran. Um, a very large missed opportunity because a lot of people now look back and say the, the regime could have been toppled in Iran had America been shown more courage. And then early on when the Iranian protesters uh, resurrected themselves just a few months ago, 60, 70 days ago. The Biden administration was reluctant to embrace them. Only recently, after being shamed by large world leaders, have they started to speak up in favor of the Iranian protesters to a little degree. And now we see it with China. And when you look at this again and you realize the people that what the Chinese civilians are asking for is to be treated like humans and they're not being treated like that, that used to be a value that was universally shared by. Uh, uh, Americans, whether Republican, Democrat, or independent, this administration can't bring itself without great duress and pressure to even say anything to put a little bit of support behind the Chinese 
uh, protesters and their uh, their fight for human rights and dignity, which is all they're asking for in these uh, COVID protests. The and you're left wondering, and I think this is the big problem with the Biden presidency: how much did China's prior business dealings with Hunter Biden, James Biden, Joe Biden? play into the Biden administration's unwillingness to take a position that is universally American. And I think that's the problem with the Biden administration. So much of the prior corrupt business dealings that the family had in these foreign countries linger over every decision that occurs here. And even if even if they're acting on reasons other than their business interests, the, the stench of those businesses don't go away. And a lot of Americans sit there wondering, I wonder if Joe Biden is just simply in bed with China. Without any doubt, in my mind, at least, the Marxist Dems, they're corrupting the electoral system. They've weaponized the Department of Justice, FBI, the intelligence agencies. They've got it focused straight on the American people. And and there is no response. Uh, they are in control of our government, and they mean to have their way. And I don't know what the odds are of that being reversed, particularly when they are normalizing it all. About 800 Americans in uh, political prisons in the D.C. area because of their participation in the, in the Capitol protest, January 6th of 2021. I, I'm watching, reading just the news, one quarter of hiring managers now in the country saying they're less Isn't likely to move forward with Jewish applicants. I mean, anti-Semitism <coughs> is being normalized in this country. Yes. Uh, the outrage after outrage that is just being accepted is, is to me, breathtaking. Yeah. And there are these incredible uh, disconnects. Everyday Americans are so smart. They know they're paying more at the gas pumps. They see American uh, pipelines being closed down, like the Trans-Canada Pipeline. They see um, leases not being let on, on, under so that we can take the oil and gas beneath our feet and make advantage of it. And then they look around and say, well, wait a second. Joe Biden just gave a pipeline to Russia at the beginning of his presidency. And now he's letting Chevron uh, uh, drill in Venezuela and sell uh, oil to Venezuela. Why? What, what, what's going on? How, how can that be? And I think these disconnects for everyday Americans wonder, boy, we, that's why we think the country is so far off pace from where we want it to be. 70% of people who went to the polls, even though in some cases they voted for Democrats, believed the country was headed in the wrong direction. And every one of the things you mentioned, whether it's anti-Semitism, just insane energy policies, uh, nonsensical energy policies, they all add up to the same thing, which is we don't have the leadership to take this country where it has gone under prior leadership for 240 years. And I think that frustration is becoming more and more palpable. The question is, will anyone step into the void and provide that leadership going forward? May I ask you a concluding question? Of, uh, and that is, do you see such a leader in the Republican Party? Listen, we had a moment in four, year, uh, four years of the Trump presidency where despite all the mean tweets, uh, the policies of the United States made people better off. People ended the Trump presidency, even in the midst of a COVID pandemic, significantly better than when the presidency began. So Donald Trump created a record of performance. Unfortunately, the media and sometimes Republicans allowed his personality to overshadow that. You have uh, in the 2024 election in Donald Trump and in uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida, two people who have significant records of achievement where they have governed, whether at the Washington by Donald Trump 
or Tallahassee uh, by uh, DeSantis, significant improvements, significant satisfaction in the constituency. And I think if people focus on performance, we have two potential Republicans that are, are have excellent records of where they could take America. And uh, but the question will be, will personality and uh, and some of the other issues that, that the gotcha, the fake scandals be allowed to distract Americans from the performance issue. I think Americans are ready to get back to elections where the performance of the candidates is the most important issue, not their personality, not not where they were hiding in what basement, but rather what will they do and what have they done as leaders? If people looked at Joe Biden's record, he had had a middling record in Washington, 40, 50 years of really not much success at all. He elected him and now people wonder, well, why is he so unsuccessful? Well, his record probably told us something about what he would be as president. Mm -hmm. uh, the Republicans have two candidates who have strong, strong records of performance. And the question is, can they keep the American voter focused on that enough to win in 2024? You know, it, it seems to me that if, if I can add this two cents before your concluding thoughts, as we always give you the closing, uh, concluding thoughts, the last word on this show, as always, John. Uh, but I, I think that if, if Ron DeSantis can develop a personality yep. and Donald Trump can control his personality, <laughs> uh, we will see an interesting contest. But if either man falters in those two, uh, I think, essential, essential adaptations, uh, the other will become the Republican nominee without question. Your thoughts, uh, yeah, your concluding thoughts. That's the smartest analysis I've heard. I think both of them have those strengths and those weaknesses. And uh, I, the, whoever can overcome their weakness and put their strength forward has the best chance of securing the nomination. What, what's really interesting about both men is that their record of performance is so strong. Uh, Donald Trump at the national level, uh, uh, DeSantis at the state level, keeping that focus, uh, not allowing the Democrats to own the narrative. If you look at the last six years, the Democrats continue to own the narrative and they own it on things that really Americans don't care about. They're just weapons of mass distraction. Republicans' first skill set that they have to improve going into the 2024 election, they have to own their own narrative. They got to stop being on defense and let the Democrats control the narrative. It'll be very interesting to see uh, how well that happens over the next six months. There's going to be a transition. Republicans are going to have control of the House. There could be real investigations of Joe Biden, maybe, and maybe the narrative changes to Joe Biden's performance. But uh, owning the narrative has been one of the Republicans' biggest problems over the last six or eight years. It has, and unfortunately, <laughs> among <laughs> quite a number of problems. John Solomon, Just the News, always great to have you with us here. Appreciate it so much. Great Thanks. American. John you. Solomon, God bless you. You too, sir. John Solomon, JustTheNews.com, a great American. And thank you, everybody, for being with us today. Please join us Monday when our guest will be Professor Victor Davis Hanson. We'll be taking up American politics, history, and even take a look at what America's future might hold. That's Monday with Victor Davis Hanson. We hope you'll join us. Till then, have a great weekend. God bless you, and may God bless America.